You are listening to another Always Moto production. The Always Moto Podcast with your host, David Hogan. We talk moto events from around the world. All the injuries, all the training ins and outs, the bikes, parts and gear inspections, the results. We interview your favourite riders. It's the Always Moto Podcast. We occasionally have some coarse language and the odd stuff up along the way. If you don't like it or you don't agree with us, turn it off right now. I'd like to remind you that he is not a doctor. That's right, Moto fans, I'm not a doctor, but I am a physiotherapist, and this is episode 57 of the Always Moto podcast. As always, I'm your host, David Hogan, and we'll be joined later during the show by the Always Moto contractor, Benny Grinley. Uh, and unfortunately, look, I don't know whether it's the weather this week, but it, it still hasn't been paid. The, the mail hasn't come through. This is the Always Moto Podcast. We are in the depths of the clinic throwing strapping tape anywhere it will stick. As always on the show, we'll be going through all things moto, particularly the injuries in our sport because hashtag injuries are a part of moto. This week's show will be covering uh, the Super Motocross from Atlanta, Always Moto Fantasy League as always, uh, and the W that I seem to get regularly over the contractor, and the Super Motocross Emergency Department update that as we head into an East-West showdown around at East Rutherford this week, uh, and we'll have our weekly product inspection highlight as well. But bringing you the show today is Slantboard Guy. Don't forget we have that affiliate deal in place with Slantboard Guy, and they have offered a 10% discount for Always Moto podcast listeners. So if you want to get your legs or your squats on point in the gym, improve your standing technique on the bike with stronger legs, this simple piece of equipment is for you. Use the code ALWAYSMOTO in lowercase at checkout to save. This piece of equipment, I've been using it regularly every day pretty much in the gym for stretching, for lunges, for squats, um, for calf raises, um, side lunges, changing my angle position, my ankle position during lunges, uh, I've been doing a lot of different stuff with it. And I'm now onto the flex board. I've got my shoulder working well enough. I can use the flex 2.0 board and get the this exercise band onto it. It's been a great progression point for me. So, yeah, this this I, I highly recommend the slant board um, piece of equipment. It, it, they are awesome. Next on the list to support the show is endurance recovery boots, something I've also been using a lot recently. I've been doing a lot more training, a lot more leg work, which is awesome. And I've been needing to get recovered before my next session so I can perform the best with each of my training sessions. Now, they have also got an affiliate deal in place with Always Moto and they have Always Moto as well as in lowercase at checkout to save as well with them. Check out those endurance recovery boots. We're going to have some more information coming out on them very, very shortly. And we'll have a full noise inspection article as well for that uh, product here very, very soon. But yeah, nice product there, uh, well well used, uh, and just makes you feel nice and good afterwards too. It's pretty pretty impressive. Also bringing you the show is Tech 167 3D Printing. Now, if you need something cool for your bike, maybe just one of their threaded funnels that fits into the oil cap without any issues it screws straight in which means no mess then you need to check out these products we have a special code that nobody else knows anywhere else now funnily enough it's exactly the same as all our other codes but don't tell anybody all right it's always moto in lowercase at checkout and you will save on your purchase with tech 167 as always we have our show merch available their t-shirts they are 25 dollars plus postage and handling show your support of the podcast and get a t-shirt to rock at the races 
To get one of you for your own, you need to email info at alwaysmoto.com, put T-shirt order in the subject line, send through the size you want, and we'll be in touch about PayPal and delivery details for payments. Um, now, T-shirt sizing, you need to go a size or two larger than you want. These are a small make shirt for some reason, um, so just be aware of that when you're ordering your shirt size. And if you want to show the support of the show direct, send us a donation to the Always Moto PayPal account. Drop a message or a question in the show notes and we'll read it out live on the show. Um, to find all of our supporters, follow the links in the show notes or in the bio on our social pages and that'll get you straight to their shops and you'll be able to use those codes and save. All right, enough with the intro talk. Let's jump into the show with the Always Moto Contractor. This is Derek Kelly and you're listening to the Always Moto Podcast. All right, we're rolling into the show here. Bit of a late start on this uh, Thursday night in Australia. We've got the contractor on the line. How are we doing, Benny? All right. How you going, Dave? Good, mate. Did you stay dry last weekend? I think you avoided Wodonga like myself. It looked pretty wet for the Pro round. Yes, I was at home uh, in my nice dry lounge room <laughs> watching that horrible race. <laughs> and, uh, yes, I'm glad I didn't uh, make the three-hour drive there to deal with those conditions. The water on that start straight looked ridiculous. Yeah, it was uh, just a massive lake pretty much everywhere. Uh, it, uh, Yeah, not nice conditions at all. And, yeah, that's the last thing you want on the start straight, especially after the uh, – the app and special yeah there's a lot of talk actually i don't know if you saw and i haven't got this in our notes for the show but did you see all the uh commotion about track prep for the first three rounds of our aussie series so far and how it's maybe not quite up to par yeah there's a few unhappy people and i've heard it and seen it you know on the socials and a few different uh podcasts that i've heard of but yeah there's uh some unhappy people which uh it's fair enough and you know it's a it's our biggest uh you know race meetings that we have and yeah the conditions haven't been that great no and i i don't think ma is doing a great job on that side of things with their instructions to the uh to the to the clubs that are then obviously prepping the track during the week prior or such so something's gone astray there but hopefully they can sort it out before Maitland, which is the next round, um, here in what two weeks' time. So, I have to see how that goes. But quickly, while we're on the Oz Pro MX, let's uh, just keep going into it. It was a bit of a obviously with the mud. It was a bit of a ups and up and down sort of results list. Um, you know, DNF for Crawford in that first moto for the MX2, and then he wins the next one. But um, Wilson Todd's still leading the 250s. I think he went uh, one two. So. Um, he was okay, but then the CDR boys in the 450 class both had absolute crap days um, and and fallen right out of the out of the championship, you know, front runnings. I think they're like behind behind the top five now, so they're not in it at all at the moment. Yeah, no, it wasn't a good day for either of them. I think um, well, it wasn't far to the end, and Tanty's bike just gave up uh, along with many others in that race um, and across all classes there was a lot of uh bikes that didn't make it to the end and um yeah i think clout went down in both races and uh yeah just not yeah not a good weekend no and but kind of um expected given his recent time in europe but jed beaton seemed to be um doing pretty good well i didn't hear him say on uh 
I think it was on the Moto Online pod that he didn't actually ever really do any mud races um, because that was the same sort of thing they brought up. And he said that, yeah, he didn't, he hadn't really done it, but uh, he did pretty well. So um, yeah, good I on him. I find that hard to believe, mate. Like as much as he might not have done, um, you know, races in the mud, you know, inverted commas around the racing, but I'm sure he did a plenty, plenty of uh, practice days in shitty weather in Europe over his last <laughs> few years over there. So I'm sure he's got a leg up on the Aussie boys who, you know, don't ride unless it's, you know, baked and uh, blue groove. Yeah, and that's, you know, they train rain, hail or shine, I think, over there. So, yeah, you might be right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I am. But anyway, <laughs> he might have just been trying to make the rest of the field feel, feel a bit better about themselves or something. I don't know. But anyway, but yeah, bit of another rough round for the Aussie, Aussie series. It hasn't been the greatest, what, opening three rounds for us for a multitude of different reasons. But hopefully we can start to pick this thing up. Uh, from Maitland. Maitland's usually a reasonably a good track, although they did have some bad feedback about their prep at a East Coast round earlier this year, uh, but that was basically in the middle of summer. So hopefully they've got a bit better conditions. And it is pissing down rain here in Australia, and I'm not far from the Maitland track as I speak. Uh, so hopefully they're getting plenty of water, so it should be easy to prep at this point in time. Let's move on to the uh, Atlanta Supercross, our, our usual American check-in and look at uh, the the round that was, uh, we finally have a Chase Sexton wire-to-wire, no mistake, no crash win. It was uh, a little surprising. Yeah, I was surprised. I was uh, joking with a mate as to uh, what lap he would uh, drop it, <laughs> like he normally does, <laughs> and it didn't happen, which is uh, really good to see. Now, I've been saying this for a few weeks on the pod here, um, so the listeners will probably remember this, but... It's only one, and I've been saying that he needs to get two or so of these in a close space of time to reinforce this procedure or this this you know process of not crashing whilst leading before his brain will start to realize that he can do it and it's confident and and that you know that motor program becomes automatic. So don't everybody start cheering yet about Chase Sexton coming back for this title if he does it again this week or next week and has a reasonable result this week and wins the following week, then yes, go for it. But if he has another, you know, half decent but crashes in it race this week, that process isn't reinforced yet. Yeah, and, you know, now it wouldn't surprise me if he did, you know, maybe win another one or two. Um, And, you know, he's still a little bit away, but, you know, there's always a chance that he can get right back into the into the title hunt, which, you know, might help him um, focus a little bit. But, yeah, I'd really like to just see him uh, keep doing what he's been doing, especially, you know, the race just gone. Yeah, well, it was nice to actually just see him not crash because, like like you said, you you're joking about it. I was thinking it, but he's going to throw it away. I was just wondering which lap it was going to be, but it didn't happen. So, well done, Chase. Let's see another one, mate, and then we'll stop uh, stop talking about it so much. Now, in the 250 class... Hunter Lawrence is just killing killing it. Uh, another win. I think he's only lost one race this year, is if I'm not correct, not not mistaken. Um, and basically, he can wrap it up next week with a decent result um, at the East West Showdown. So, could be title time for Hunter Lawrence in the uh, 250 East Coast Supercross this weekend. 
Yeah, well, he, I mean, it could have been a bad, uh, could have been a bad race. He had made a massive save uh, through that rhythm section, um, almost went flying. Um, but yeah, if he can, uh, I think it's five points maybe that he can't uh, lose to Hayden and uh, Hayden Deegan, and I think he'll wrap it up. So. Uh, yeah, it'll be good to see him get his first title. I uh, don't think Jet can get it this weekend, but uh, it would have been really good to see them both get it on the same night. That would have uh, that would have been something to watch. That would have been pretty cool, but uh, I don't think that one's going to happen because they're both going to get it a different one week after the other by the looks of it. But could you not see uh, Jet just running second while Hunter's out front and and Jet's just holding back that space to? to like Deegan or somebody else to, you know, push those points the way that Hunter needs this weekend? I could, but I think it'll just depend on their uh, their starts, I guess. But, yeah, True. I could see uh, Jet, Jet uh, you know, Jet doing that. But, I mean, we might get lucky if, because uh, I'd say what RJ's second in points, if he has a crash or, you know, a bad night, then I think Jet got lucky with that last year maybe um he wasn't supposed to win the title that round and then he did so i mean we could get lucky but yeah i think it'll depend on the start and if uh if hunter gets out front then yeah i think uh, jet will play uh, protector yeah could happen that way now talking titles uh the 450 class is getting pretty tight here we chase is sort of in the background hunting it along he might be in it if there's a couple of other things go his way but obviously tomac and and Cooper Webb are getting really tight. But I wanted to point out something that I think might be a factor here in the last two rounds at least. Uh, Denver and Salt Lake are both tracks that are at significant altitude, which is obviously something that Eli Tomac lives in and or lives at, however you want to say that. Uh, and I think that could be a big advantage for Eli coming these final two rounds if things remain tight in the championship. Uh, as it goes down that last few rounds, it could, uh, yeah. But I think uh, going back to when the COVID rounds were in Salt Lake, I think Webb may have got one or two wins there out of the however many they had. He did, yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, that was a few years ago, and uh, you just never know. But yeah, I think it, it definitely favours Tomac no matter what. Um, but it's, you know, Cooper Webb, you can never count him out. No, definitely not. Now, a couple of things. We've obviously got the emergency department later in the podcast, but I don't always record this podcast in order, and today's one of those days. And since I've recorded that, I've actually got a couple of bits of more information about a couple of riders, one that wasn't even on the list and one that is the main feature of the list. So let's uh, update the listeners before they hear the rest of it and it'll sound terrible when you get to it because you'll understand what I've what I've said now before you hear the rest of it. But Nate Thrasher, we've actually got the message back from his team manager at Star Racing there and they have confirmed that he's going to get his ACL repaired next week. So the work he was getting done to his hip was this week and he's actually getting the ACL repaired next week. So he's going to be out for quite some time and I dare say that will be the complete end of his 2023 season uh, now. So just confirming all that side of things. And the other one is actually a rider that we've interviewed here on the on the podcast before about a recovery from an injury. You might remember the guy that bit the doctor while he was getting his elbow put back in. That was Carter Stevenson. 
He's updated me. He's unfortunately had a road bike or a Harley crash on the road uh, and he managed to get run off the road and ride off his Harley but re-break his same arm and elbow that we were talking about him that he only just recovered from you know, a few months earlier and is now out for the rest of the Supercross season because of it. So he's missed Atlanta, he's missed MetLife uh, and he was going to do Salt Lake. So he's missing all those three rounds unfortunately. Hopefully this break, they've had to redo the plates and stuff for him in his arm. Hopefully it's only six to eight weeks and he can start getting back to normal. He has got a pretty ugly wound on his arm, uh, which we'll put up as some shots of that on the social channels here, probably tomorrow or the day after. But yeah, a bit of a rough news there. So some extra stuff for the emergency department just to fill in on there uh, before we get to it later on in the show. But let's uh, let's take another little step sideways here, Benny. Uh WSX is coming around here soon and we've had some announcements of some of the riders for some of the teams that are going to be featuring in this year's six-round series. Um, it's kind of nice to start seeing some of these names coming out, but obviously there's a few more yet to come. Yeah, well, the, the first race is on uh, the 1st of July in uh, in Birmingham at Villa Park, which is the uh, for anyone that follows the Premier League is Aston Villa's home home ground, um, so it's a nice big open stadium. But yeah, it's it's uh, yeah good to see the riders start coming through, and um, there's still still a few that have to be announced. But there's a good list at the moment that have uh, yeah already signed up. Yeah, now let's let's quickly run through those few signings that we know about that they've already announced. We've got um, Joey Savacci and Shane McElrath going to be on Rick Ware Racing again, which was the same teams that they rode for last year. And I dare say uh, with that, Shane will be running the number one plate in the MX2, which will be cool for Shane. Uh, we've got a new signing this year in Justin Hill. Uh, he's joining Cedric Subaros on the Bud Racing Kawasaki team. We've also got Dean Wilson and Max Anstey coming back to the Firepower Honda team. Uh, coming back to the Honda Nils team is Geordie Tixier. Uh, and a different team that he's riding for, because unfortunately he couldn't go back to that Kawasaki team, but Matt Moss, our, our Aussie boy, who's been on the show here before as well, he's signed with MDK, and Justin Bogle is also on MDK again for this year. Uh, a bit of a change, uh, team switch from CDR to Pipes Motorsport Group for Kyle Chisholm. He's on the PMG team now. So he'll be on the Suzuki, which is basically it's, it's the HEP team uh, in, the, in the AMA series, but it's uh, titled differently here for the World Supercross. And Dylan Swartz will be on that team as well. Now the uh, team GSM Michelin Yamaha team is Thomas Ramet and Gregory Aranda. Probably got the pronunciation on that one wrong, Benny. I'm hopeless with the pronunciation of uh, names. It's just not my strong point. That's all right. That's how I told you to say it. So <laughs> blame me. <laughs> well, we're both shit by the sounds of it. Anyway, uh, and then so Moto Concepts has only announced one rider at this stage, and that's Cole Seely. Now, the two teams that haven't announced anyone yet is Club MX and CDR. Um, CDR will probably, hopefully, have Aaron Tanti, but we don't know for sure yet. And maybe uh, Luke Clout. But again, both of those speculatory things at this point. And Club MX have got no idea who's going to be over there just yet. Um, but it's interesting to see that we've got at least not quite half the field announced. Yeah, and I think uh, you'll also see uh, Justin Brayton on a 
uh, Firepower Honda. Uh, I think he's getting away from, uh, well, if Vince Freezy signs up, uh, yeah, away from the Moto Concepts team um, after what happened in Melbourne last year. He doesn't but, want to wear yeah, another not beer in the, uh, in, the, in the shirt after the race for, uh, you know, from his teammate. It, it'd probably be a bit easier to take if he's not on the same team as you. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. But yeah, it's not confirmed yet, so we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, I have heard, uh, yeah, rumours floating around that that could be a possibility. Yeah, I got a feeling that there's a few bigger names, like from the American series, that are literally just waiting until either the last round or just after the last round of the AMA Supercross before they're announced for this World Supercross series. Um, So I'm hoping you'll see some of those here very shortly. But there's a few guys that have ridden this uh, series last year that you would think would be on this list, but they haven't showed up yet. And I dare say that's all they're waiting for, just literally for their contracts currently to expire, um, all their team deals that they've got for this series that they're currently in to, to end, and then they can announce the next thing. So hopefully, what, that'll be uh, middle of May. Let's hope that we'll be seeing that next lot of riders announced for the series. Yeah, it shouldn't be shouldn't be too far away. No, and and like you said, pretty certain about Justin Brayton, but obviously nothing's official just yet. But he has, I think, in some of the interviews and stuff he was doing with the other media sources with Race Day Live and stuff like that, I think he's actually said that he's started riding again. So he's definitely coming for World Supercross. It's just a matter of team and announcement, official announcement. So be looking for that very very soon. All right, Benny, let's uh, go to our favorite topic for the week. It's uh, Always Moto Fantasy League on Pulp MX Fantasy. How was your week, mate? Yeah, look, uh, it wasn't great. I mean, but uh, I don't think it was great uh, for a lot of people. So, yeah, it wasn't too bad. But, yeah, it could have been a lot better. I love this stuff. What I think, how many are we now? We're thirteen rounds through, aren't we? I think I'm like eleven and two or something for you, mate. Yeah, I think that's probably right. <laughs> it's not been a good season for you, buddy. I don't know what you what, don't know what you've done. I don't know whether you you know kicked a black cat or something like that, but it hasn't worked this year. No, and even uh, even in the. RMM, RM fantasy. It's there's a point in that after I had a massive lead in it, so I'll probably end up losing that one too. Yeah, I, I've made a massive comeback in that. I was I quite surprised with myself on that one, but yeah, let's uh let's not count that one too much because I'll probably forget about it at some point. Been the last few rounds, but uh, looks pretty good right now for us all. So what what was the Atlanta score for you, Benny? Because it was pretty poor. Um, so I got 118, um, and I'd made a team last week when we did the pod, and I said that I was, you know, I was going to get up, look at race day live, and whatever else, and I got up, watched it, and then woke up, you know, five minutes before it, and just didn't really look at it properly, and just left what I had, and uh, yeah, the results show that. So that's uh, that's my own fault. <laughs> well look i i had one I, I got caught with nate thrasher um but outside of that i had 257 so i'm pretty happy with it if if nate hadn't have fallen off i could have been close to a um you know championship win in this one so anyway it's uh it is what it is but uh i got a pretty good 
good run of points. Uh, I think it actually equaled my best best round score for this season. Yeah, it has. Um, so that's pretty good. So let's run through the teams. I'll go first, since I've got a reasonable, you know, pep in my spe- my step about uh, about the team. My two fifty team, I had Jeremy Hand, who got me thirty two points. Nate Thrasher, as we as I just mentioned, crashed out. He still got seven points, but yeah, unfortunate there. Henry Miller with his career best sixth place that you'll hear from later in this podcast. I had him for the for 46 points. And I had Caden Braswell who also got 46 points. So I did pretty well with those guys. Uh, and then in the 450s, I had Cincerulo for 30, Colt Nichols for 34, Chase Sexton got the max for the All-Star at 26, and I had Shane McElrath get me 36 as well. So pretty steady round for me there. How about yourself, Benny? What was your 250 team? Um, so I had Jordan Smith and like I said in the podcast last week, I thought that Thrasher might be a high, uh, pick trend. So I went the opposite and, uh, that opposite paid out for me. So Smith got me 26 points. Uh, Shimoda got me 34 and then, um, Hardy Munoz just forgot how to ride. Whoops. I think, um, was pretty, pretty terrible events that occurred with him. Uh, so zero and Josiah Natsuki got me zero as well. So that's, uh, yeah, that's the 250 team and rough team, mate. Yeah. So Plessinger got me 26 points. Chisholm got me 32 points. And then, um, two people who were in qualifying positions, uh, in their heats <laughs> and the LCQ, uh, Chase Marker and John Short, both, uh, yeah, both zeros as well. So four riders for the night out of eight. That's, Four is poor. That's that's uh, that's my that's the new saying. <laughs> I didn't know they went that low. <laughs> oh geez, yeah, that's bad. All right, moving on. Let's um, uh, where's my? I've just skipped out of the league page. Hold on a second. Uh, uh, uh go back for that one. Now in the league, uh, just for an update for everybody, I'm now twenty fourth in the league with two thousand nine hundred and seventy eight points. Benny's dropped. He's dropping like a stone in water. Um, he is 71st in the league. He's only got 200, uh, 2,643 points. So I've put in our notes here, WTF, mate. But, um, yeah, it's not good. You, you, <laughs> you're almost at the, at the last uh, last quarter of the league. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, mate, MX is coming, so we'll uh, we'll get back on uh, get back on page there. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, so let's see how that works out for you. All right, let's uh, let's talk Rutherford uh, teams for East Rutherford. It's a East West showdown, so things are a little bit different on the two hundred and fifty side of things. Um, not as there's only six All Stars, but you've obviously got both coasts to pick from. Need to consider that the following round is a West Coast round, uh, so you might want to not pick too many West people because then you'd have less to pick from for that round. Um, who have you got on your team, Benny, for the two hundred and fifties? Um, I think the next race is East. Oh, have I actually. got that round backwards, have I? Hold on a second. Let me check. I th- I've got my notes just here. I th- I think. I'm not sure, but I think it's East. It is an East. It's my in Nashville. It's, it's an East. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. So we go to Nashville. It's East. Yeah. So if you want uh, Hunter Lawrence next week, pick Jet this week. Yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm not real happy with anything, to be honest, because I haven't seen, you know, it's it's going to be hard. You got the two coasts combined, and on paper, you know, the top few guys from each coast should just 
they should be the ones that, you know, you pick from. But uh, at the moment, I've got Pierce Brown at a zero. Uh, Levi Kitchen is my all-star at the moment. Okay. Which could could change back to Jet. I'm not sure yet. What's um, Levi's handicap, actually? A five, I think. Yeah, oh, five. Juicy. Yep. Yeah. Um, I've got Enzo Lopes at a minus one and Mitchell Oldenburg at a one. But I think, uh, yeah, I'll have to wait till qualifying and just see where everyone, everyone pans out. Yeah. All right. So I've, I, I'm similar on that side of things because I, I think the the qualifying could be an interesting one for this this round as well. Um, but I've gone uh, Joe Shimoda at a minus two because I didn't pick him last week because I thought he might be a chance at a podium this round. Um, I've got Hunter Lawrence at this point, but I might flip him, like you said, depending on on uh the, like the east coast being the next round but we'll see um i've got pierce brown as well at a zero and i've gone Derek kelly at a four i just feel like Derek's maybe got something here um with that four handicap to get into the top 10 and double points fairly easily so yeah that's my 250 team all right 450s is pretty regular uh same group just getting a bit thinner every week um I'll run through my 450 team first on this one, Benny. I'm going to go Justin Barsher at a two, being a bit of a not quite hometown race for him, but close enough in New Jersey there, being a New Yorker back in the day. So I think he'll do well. Uh, I'm going to go Justin Hill at a two. I'm actually going to go Josh Hill at a four and Cole Chisholm at a six. Yeah, all right. That's That's not bad. Not bad at all. Is this where I say you could learn something from, uh, you know, past <laughs> results and you know take the take the lesson as it was just told, <laughs> and then I get kind yeah, of whacked just... over the head for for a bad result or some shit. I don't know. We'll see how it works out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who knows? <laughs> um, all right, I've got uh, Makarath at a six. Uh, I think he's really starting to get the hang of that Suzuki now. Um, he's been doing, you know, doing a lot better. Uh, I've got AC as my all-star at a six. Um, I was going to choose Anderson, but after the weekend he just had, and he's still got the, you know, he's got the newborn. Who knows uh, where he's at? So we might just stay away from him. I'll, I'll just jump in on that one too for a second. Personal experience post, you know, baby and trying to do anything. You're not interested. You're only interested in what's happening at home for the first, you know, six or so weeks. So. I probably wouldn't pick him for the rest of the season. Uh, yeah, no, that's uh, yeah. I, he's a six. Uh, AC is a six, so I think yeah, we'll just we'll just run with AC. Um, Josh Cartwright at a ten, and Grant Harlan at an eight. Yeah, right. Harlan, yeah. I think I had Harlan. Uh, yeah, I must have not looked at Harlan yet, but he's uh, he's an interesting one to pick from because he's been doing really well this season. Yeah, him and uh, him and Benny Boss, the teammates, have been uh, yeah doing really well, which is good to see. Yeah, definitely. Uh, all right. Well, look for the Always Moto Fantasy League. It, it's on every week. We've had our prize winner last week uh, be in touch, but we haven't quite finalised all the details of getting that prize out to him because we haven't had the last response we needed. But that was our Bolt Everywhere MX gloves, which we're going to have again this week. So. 
Benny, I need you to pick a number, mate, between like one and let's go 71, seeing as you're in 71st outright, um, for this week's winner of the, like for this week to get a random prize winner for another set of Bolt Everywhere MX gloves. So have you got a number in mind between one and 71? Uh, you know what? We will go with uh, Derek Kelly's number, which is no, we're not because that's what it was last week. It was uh, forty-one. Yeah, no, nah, uh, we'll go with Enzo Lopes' number, which is fifty-six. Fifty-six. That's a good one. Nice work. All right, fifty-six. Yep. It is. We'll get that out on the socials. It'll be fifty-six place this week in the league. We'll win another set of Bolt MX gloves. Uh, now. Quick uh, reminder to be eligible for those prizes. You must have emailed fantasy at alwaysmoto.com with your Pulp MX username and your social media handle, whether that's Instagram, Twitter, whatever, so that we can actually get in touch with you and get this back to you, this prize to you. If you haven't done that, you, I will get a note. I'll put a post up on our social channel on the Sunday evening or the Monday morning. You've got 48 hours to get in touch with that email address and be following our sponsors' pages to be eligible for that prize. Or if not, like last week, we'll be sending that prize to somebody else. So that's you've been all been warned well and truly. So that's how the rules go here at Always Moto Fantasy League. Now, big thank you to our Fantasy League sponsors and they'll be coming out with some big overall prizes here in the... Oh, what is it? It's a month away, basically, isn't it? That we're going to be end of the... Uh, end of the season so um big thanks to coastal motorcycle center goat brand mx thor mx australia michelin australia ringmaster images helltech australia and bolt everywhere thank you for the support of the fantasy league here at always moto all right benny anything else to add about fantasy at this point or are we just going to go crawl under a rock and see how this week goes no you know what in four weeks time when supercross finishes i'll be sad so uh, even though if it goes good or bad, fantasy's you know it's a fun thing to play, and especially with our our group chat, and you know everyone shows how good or how bad they uh, their scores were. So yeah, no no matter the thing, you know, no matter your score, it's always uh, always a good weekend with fantasy. And, it is. Uh, a- it is a good weekend. If you're not I, playing it, you're missing it. You're yeah, missing out. <laughs> yeah, definitely are. And I think our group chat has definitely made it a lot more interesting for all of us because there's a lot of banter going on in there. Uh, I think the only thing that's missing maybe is like a, a video of me standing on top of you, you know, claiming the win on TikTok or something, mate. Like our, our new TikTok account that we've got going there for Always Moto it needs a bit more love and maybe a bit of uh, showboating on, on, on our part when we win each week or something. Yeah, I'm probably going to have to drive to the studio and pick up my wooden spoon uh, soon enough. So uh, maybe that'll make it to the TikTok. (laughs) We need to come up with a little, um, you know, little trophy that goes between us as to who's the loser of the two for each series. And it can be proudly displayed and, you know, a little video made for the TikTok. So, yeah, that would be... uh, Let's uh let's think about that. Maybe a broken gear shifter or or a dead piston or something. We can make into a little uh a little little uh, last place plaque. <laughs> yeah, mate. Yeah, nine nine hours or ten hours, whatever it is, to get to you. Just yeah, to pick up a uh yeah, pick up a broken part and trophy. <laughs> oh, oh, look, we can make it worth your while. You can have a ride while you're here, and then uh, uh maybe we can do a show while you're actually here in person. But uh, yeah, look, it would be worth. It would be funny just to pick that up. <laughs> Yeah, no, we we need it, and uh, yeah, no, that that'll be good. 
Maybe we should uh, try and come out with something for the actual uh, for the winner as well. But uh, obviously they get the prize anyway. We'll leave that there. But yeah, look, between the two of us, we need something for uh, for last place out of out of the two of us. And maybe even we just do it for the. Uh, maybe we should do it for the group chat. We'll find out who's running last in the in the group chat, and we'll uh, we'll get a uh, a last place perpetual trophy going. Yeah, maybe that uh, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah. All right. All right, let's leave fantasy talk there for the week. Um, good luck and uh, get your teams in. Make sure you're tagging Always Moto Fantasy League when you're posting your teams on your social channels um, but just before lockout and we'll repost those and we'll still have a random prize for that coming uh, here at the end of the season for the person who's doing it the most or with the most flair. Uh, so please keep that up. Now, uh, we'll take a quick break here on the Always Moto podcast and we'll be back with the emergency department. What's up, everybody? This is Kate Clayson from Partzilla, PRMX Kawasaki, and you're listening to the Always Moto Show. All right, guys and girls, we are back. Thanks for sticking around on the Always Moto podcast. And just a reminder, I am a physiotherapist, not a doctor, but I am a physiotherapist. So I do know what I'm talking about when we talk about these injuries in the emergency department, and that's where we're going right now. We're going to hit into the emergency department list for this week's round heading into East Rutherford. The emergency department, all the injuries, all the gory details, and when they'll be back on track. It's the list you really don't want to be on. You do not want to be on this list ever if you can help it, but unfortunately in Moto, hashtag injuries are a part of Moto, and you tend to end up on this list far too often. As is the case for a lot of these guys, they've been on here more than once. Now, let's just do a couple of things to note to begin with for the emergency department. We've been keeping stats as we always do here at the Always Moto Podcast on the injuries in our sport. And so far in 2023, we've had 7.8 injuries per round of Supercross this year. That's fairly high, guys and girls. It's not a good number. Uh, we usually want to see that number sort of under three. 7.8 is way too high. Way too high. Uh, and as you will see, if you play Pulp MX Fantasy, there's a lot of uh, med flags on the East-West Showdown this week uh, for the riders. So uh, the 250 class has been hit pretty heavily with those injuries. Now, something else to keep keep an eye on. We've had two hip dislocations in the past two weeks, which is pretty unheard of. Hip dislocations are massive injuries, and they're very painful. They they compare for guys that to the pain that of a hip dislocation to giving childbirth for women. So for all you girls out there, you can you know give the guys a hint and say, oh, you just need to get hip dislocated, but not something I'd I'd advise on. Not not at all. It's painful from what I've what I'm told. Now we've had two in two weeks. We've only actually had five dislocations all season in 2023. That makes up two hips so far two shoulders and one wrist. Now, comparison comparatively, uh, in 2022, so last season, we had six. So we're about the same, uh, but we've still got a few rounds to go. So that number might go a little bit higher. Uh, but dislocations tend to be regular, usually more so shoulders. Um, shoulders are obviously what we see dislocated usually far more often in our sport. But so far in 2023, we've, we've sort of split down the middle with hips and shoulders. All right. On to some notable things. Now, Tom Vial, Red Bull KTM, somehow survived. Uh, he had a bit of an interesting crash there. He got cross-jumped or at least floated over onto, I don't know if it was a particular cross-jump, but he unfortunately went down pretty hard there in Atlanta. Uh, DNF that main event. 
But as per his updates on socials this week, he'll be at East Rutherford. Uh, he'll probably be a little bit sore if it's if it's down to my um, understanding of how things would go with that sort of an injury. Um, nothing specific said, but he would be sore just generally. So, But he somehow survived. Now, I've been saying this for weeks as well with Tom Vial. He just needs to get through Supercross. I don't care what it is that he does, but he needs to get through Supercross so that he can get to that outdoor season because that's where I think he's going to shine. Uh, and he just needs to make sure he gets a healthy season in for Supercross. So he's got, what, two, three rounds left for um, the, the East Coast Series. He just needs to get through those healthy. If he can do that, he will have a massive chance at this outdoor title. But like guys in the past that have struggled and then had delays to their seasons and, and issues all ongoing, think of Marvin Muskin. Think of Ben Townley back in the day. They all got screwed over coming from Europe by getting injured in Supercross in their first season or in their second season or third or fourth or whatever it was. But they all had delayed starts or underprepared for motocross the first year round when they should have been probably title contenders those first year rounds. But because of injuries, they weren't at their best at that point when they would have been shining. So Tom Vial, just whatever you do, mate. I don't care if you back it down a notch in every single section on the track and you get tents. From my side of things, just make it through. Just stay injury-free. All right. Cameron McAdoo up at the update. Uh, he posted this week that he is going really well post-op um, for his shoulder dislocation. He is uh, only one week post-op, uh, but he had, did advise something a little bit interesting from my side of things. As a physiotherapist, you want to start range of motion activities um, and just some general movements therapy, passive range of motions, not necessarily, I'm not talking about him moving it himself, but I'm talking about moving the joint with the assistance of a therapist, um, passively moving it. We call it passive range of motion. Um, that hasn't been started yet. He mentioned that he hasn't started that and it will come in the coming weeks. Now it's an interesting one. Maybe that's a surgeon's request that he doesn't do anything for the first few weeks to, to not impact on the repair site. Don't know. Don't know the details of that. Wasn't in the room for those things, but it just seems odd to me as a physio, I would be getting in there doing that as soon as I could to try and maintain joint integrity and not allow the swelling to build up so much and the capsule to tighten so much and scar tissue to form and become really thick. Because all those things mean that your range of motion is harder to get back, which means your strength is harder to get back, which means your recovery and return to racing is further and further down the track. But Maybe it was just an early re request from the surgeon. Maybe it won't change a damn thing. We'll find out. Adam Sinsarulo, that Monster Energy Kawasaki 450 rider that seems to be made of glass in recent years, somehow survived a massive get-off in the whoops in Atlanta. He managed to smash his face into the handlebars. He managed to not jam his hand in the tire or the chain or the rear wheel as he was coming off the bike, which it looked in the video, looked super close to putting his hand in that area. Um, so somehow he escaped that one. He was a lucky boy for that. Maybe this is the sign that he is actually going to not be just made of glass for the foreseeable future. Because every time he seemed to hit the deck in the last few years, he's broken something, dislocated something, ended up with multiple, multiple surgeries for something. So hopefully this was a good sign for Adam Cincerulo and he can stay healthy for a little bit longer hopefully get through a full season outdoors. That would be something uh, pretty impressive for Adam if he can do that. Jeremy Martin on that Club MX Yamaha, he also had a bit of a rough week in Atlanta. I believe he had a big crash. I didn't see any of this one, but the, the footage of him rolling around, he didn't look all straight as such, um, but we expect him to be back on the bike this week for the East-West Showdown. 
Michael Moseman update, the the one that sort of seems to be MIA everywhere all the time. Team updates are, you know, on the day of the race, if if at all. Um, during the week, Michael Moseman has put out that he won't be doing any more Supercross in 2023. He's focusing on outdoors to get himself healthy. Obviously, those that last crash there, I believe it was Daytona, it's knocked him around a fair bit. Maybe it's to do with that neck injury. Maybe he re-aggravated that from pre from last season. Um, maybe there's something new there. Whatever it is, he's taking the time to get healthy, which isn't a bad idea in the in the long run. Uh, just a shame for the TLD gas gas guys. He won't be on track for the rest of Supercross. All right. New injuries from Atlanta. Everyone saw it. Everyone's feels for him. Nate Thrasher, um, number 29 on that Monster Energy Star Racing Yamaha. Went down very, very hard in the whoops. Managed to dislocate a hip, break his uh, collarbone. So he right hip dislocated, left collarbone fracture. Um, the hip itself, in terms of a dislocation, is about an 8 to 12-week recovery just to get that stable again. It is the biggest joint in the body. It takes a lot of force to, that, to, get, to get that joint to dislocate Um it's a lot of stress on that area when that happens. Now, all those things need a few weeks just for the swellings to go down, strength to re-coordinate. The, the, what do we call it? The proprioception. I was just looking for that word. It was in the back of the mind there. It just took a little while to come out. The proprioception to come back. So that's where to know where this joint is and the limb is in space. Uh, but all those things take a few weeks to come back. Now, for Nate, the complication was, as per his update, that there was actually bone fragments seen on his CAT scan when they did that. Now, that's not a great sign. That means there's surgery required either to, to suck out those bone fragments so that they're not going to get caught in the joint and cause problems down the track. Or if they're big enough to be reattached, maybe it was to do with the broke part of the cup. We don't know the details. I haven't seen the scans, but we have seen him on his Instagram story today, up and walking, look like, looking like it was post-surgery. Maybe it was just post putting the dislocation back in. And I'm not sure if he's actually had surgery to remove those bone fragments as such. It, it was, wasn't specific on where that point in time was, but he was up at least on crutches, mobilizing, which is a good sign. Don't know what's going to happen with Nate now for the rest of the season. Obviously, everybody's been talking about the ACL injury from about week two in that East Coast series for Nate that he's been riding with and riding through. And to be honest, other than noticing that he's got his feet on the pegs a lot more often, you wouldn't really be able to tell that he's you know got that sort of an injury, which has been great for him. Will he get that repaired? as well as getting the recovery from the hip and the collarbone at this point in time, there's potentially three surgeries then for him at this time, hip, knee, and, and collarbone to get repaired. I don't know if he'll do all three at once or if they'll be staggered or if he'll skip the knee altogether. Maybe the knee's actually at a point where he doesn't need it. Who knows? I would expect him to take the time and use that recovery period to get the knee repaired and, and just take the rest of the season off and come back for 2024 because he has enough time. We've got... What's that? We've got about eight months to work with, seven, eight months before season starts. So, and if he went to the East Coast, he's got you know that extra month or so. So there's time for him to do this um, now. So I would be taking that opportunity to get fixed, get everything fixed, get healthy. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see if he actually does that. We'll, we'll find out more. We've reached out to the team manager there at Star Racing Yamaha to see if we can get a response on that. But we'll, we'll check back on that one later on a future episode of the emergency department. All right, Gilam sent Sai. Now I've probably butchered that. I asked for his um to voice record how to pronounce it, and I apologize, Gilliam. But uh, 
that's not my strong point. Sorry, mate. Now he got injured at Atlanta as well. Uh, he had a concussion, a bit of an ugly looking crash there. Um, and he had some left shoulder soreness as well, but that seems to be settling nicely. But the concussion is the issue for him. Obviously, we've got the AMA concussion protocol and there's the five-stage return to ride program. He'll be following that as per the information he's been given and he'll have to pass the impact test before he can return to racing. He's indicated that obviously, like, obviously he could do this in five days if he wanted to, but given he's a 250 rider and he probably ten- potentially would make the main event um, for an East-West showdown. Sorry, Gilliam, you might have thought you could. Probably not going to. Um He's going to take that time to get himself well. Ideally, we don't see him. We probably won't see him back until, uh, look, maybe even the end of the season now. We'll have to wait and see what his choices are there. Um, But, yeah, it just all depends on him passing concussion protocol. Ideally, he's getting well quickly uh, and not having post-concussion symptoms uh, too excessively. All right, next on the list from Atlanta is Brock Pappy, the number 247 on a privateer Kawasaki. Uh, he had an interesting day. It's not an injury for this one, but we update all sorts of things that all reasons that have caused you to miss racing here on the always moto podcast and in the emergency department, Brock Pappy actually had some illnesses and he took some medication to try and help with some allergies. And he ended up having an allergic reaction to the allergy based medication. Uh, we checked in with him. He had a, a night or so stay in the hospital. He's doing much better now, which is great but he is actually going to be taking another week to recover and he's planning to be back at the Nashville round um, two weeks away. So um, hopefully he's recovering and all well by now, uh, but just a bit of an interestingly rough day for Brock Pappy at Atlanta through no fault of his own, unfortunately. All right. Now, normally we'd go to the point where who's returning uh, for the next race at East Rutherford, but as per this point in time, Information suggests that we don't have anyone actually returning from injury at East Rutherford. We'll have to check back on that. And maybe this is where we say to you to check our social channels um, closer to the event. So always moto on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all those wonderful places. Uh, We put up our updates there pretty regularly. So make sure you check that later on uh, closer to the race to see if there's anybody else. But at this stage, nobody's making a return this weekend, which is unfortunate, but we are almost at the end of the season and guys and Guys out there will probably be just focusing on the outdoor re- return at this point, uh, which makes pretty good sense at this point in the season. Uh, but it was good to see Joe Shimoda coming back from injury just for a couple of rounds on the East Coast, which is awesome. So, But nobody this week at East Rutherford, as far as I know, at the time of recording this. All right, that's the emergency department. Now, seeing as we're linking this up through the podcast and through our YouTube Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, Give us a thumbs up on the YouTube. If you're listening on the podcast, follow the feed. uh, Leave a rating on the app if it allows. Uh, Let's take a break on the podcast and we'll be back with more of the podcast uh, and more interviews. We're going to go into an interview here with... Actually, sorry, we're going to go into our weekly product inspection highlight. My name is Julian Benick. I'm number 500 for the AMA Supercross Series and you're listening to the Always Moto Podcast. All right, guys and girls, let's jump into the Always Moto weekly product inspection highlight here on the podcast. And we've got a very cool product for you this week to highlight with you guys and girls out there. It's from Force Accessories. Now, Force is an Australian-based company. They're down in Melbourne in Victoria there. Uh, And this product from them this week is actually their custom clutch covers. Now, their clutch covers are a fantastic protection piece for your bike. Standard clutch covers are a little bit thin and a little bit 
weak in terms of dropping your bike onto the onto the side and potentially having the brake pedal go into the cover or a rock go into the cover and obviously cracking it and causing you all sorts of problems for your ride for that particular time. The Force Accessories covers, they are actually made of 6061 aluminium. They're thicker in all the right areas, so thicker around where the brake pedal would impact uh, and thicker in a few other places than the stock covers, so that makes them a lot more sturdy, a lot more, lot more, a uh, lot less chance of impacting and cracking them. So that's awesome. They are hard anodized in that black color that you'll see in our images if you're watching this on the on our social pages. So check that out. You'll see our custom one here on on those images. But the hard anodizing means for long lasting wear, so you won't wear that away very quickly at all. Now they. They all round are better than a stock cover. Now, what tops them off at the end is the custom engraving that Force Accessories can do for you. Now, you can see our one there. They've actually engraved our logo into the cover, and it just looks absolutely amazing. It sets your bike apart from everybody else's bike. It's eye-catching. One, that it's a black cover, but two, that, that, that engraving. Now, you can put whatever you want on there, your number, your name, your logo, um, basically, if, you, if you've got an image of it, they can pretty much get it on there in that engraved uh, with their engraving abilities there at Force Accessories. So they did a top job with our cover. Now, for you out there at home wanting to purchase one, you obviously need to check out Force Accessories' website uh, and the, that'll be in the show note links below. But these clutch, uh, the clutch covers themselves go for about $300. It's just under $300. Uh, and that's pretty much for all of the available clutch covers that they have. But check their site for exact pricing. And the custom engraving is $45 on top of that. So guys and girls out there, if you want to make your bike look absolutely wicked uh, and get that bit of a factory feel to it, like all these factory bikes have these custom covers on them, get yourself one of these from Force Accessories. Uh, you'll thank me later because your bike will look amazing because of it. And it's also going to be more protected because of it too. All right, that's our product inspection for this week. Uh, we'll be back in a, just a sec on the podcast with an interview here that will be with Henry Miller and his uh, recent career best finish of six at Atlanta. So stick around for that interview with Henry Miller. I'm Kyle Greeson and you're listening to the Always Moto podcast. All right, guys and girls, joining us this week on the Always Moto podcast, he's had a career best result this weekend in Atlanta, which was awesome. He's from the Tire Lube Honda team. He's number 66. It's Henry Miller. How are we doing, Henry? Hey guys, how are you guys doing? Uh, we're doing pretty excellent today. It's a beautiful day here in Texas. Uh, I'm pretty sure it'd be a bit extra sweet this week after the result on the weekend, mate. That was uh, a nice ride from you. Oh uh, yeah, definitely. It was a. Uh, it was a. I had a good Sunday. I know. I woke up. I was happy as could be. Good energy and all that. So it's been a good start to my week and looking to keep moving forward with it. Now, I'm assuming your previous best was probably a seventh or something. Um, how long ago was that? And, and you know, uh, just to see, you know, is this, uh, this is obviously the most recent result for you that's the best. But, yeah, when was that last previous best? Uh, actually, my previous best before that was the last race we did in Detroit. Oh, uh, really? It was ninth in the May. Yeah, so we're kind of picking them off here slowly but surely towards the end of the year. And well, that's a, keep that momentum rolling. That, I was... I was going to say, man, like obviously with this career best that this this season is probably going to be considered your best one for you. And now obviously with you saying that you've had two career bests along the way, it probably definitely is your best season so far. Oh, uh, yeah, 
definitely been my most consistent year. Definitely had the best rides that I've uh, done throughout the years in Supercross. I've always kind of struggled a little bit being from the north, but uh, we're figuring it out. And it's definitely on the path to being probably my best year to date um, for Supercross. Nice, nice. Now, how did you find the day race in Atlanta versus the night race? And mainly in terms of like, obviously starting the day earlier. So how was things like getting warmed up and getting the right foods and nutrition in for the day to be actual, you know, because obviously it's so much earlier in the day, you might not be ready to eat that amount or you might not be ready to warm up at that time. Was it, was it a struggle for you or did it just sort of feel like normal? Oh, actually, I did struggle with it. I talked to my my roommate actually about that. It's like we wake up at I woke up at five thirty, and you know, there's not a whole lot of food options at five thirty in the morning that are something that you want to eat right before you're going to get on your dirt bike or go mm-hmm. racing. So, um, it was it was difficult as far as eating something before the day got started. You know, I was taking a bite and drinking water, trying to get it down my throat, just like force feeding myself yep. and making sure that I had. I had the energy to go the day, you know, the distance. Um, and it's just, I like, I actually like the day race. It was good. Um, I have kind of bad vision. So okay. sometimes the night races, even in the stadiums are a little difficult for me with the lights, if they're not really good or they're not new or something. So, um, I really enjoyed that day race. Uh, I always like going to Atlanta to the speedway, you know, it's a bigger open track. So it, uh, suits my style a little bit more. I think, uh, as far as me being more, a little bit more favoring outdoors, but as my career goes on, I've gotten quite a bit better at Supercross, so it's been uh, a good learning curve, and uh, the it's just it's just good to, to finally put it all together. Yeah, obviously it's working out for you in the world, but you you make a good point, and that's sort of why we asked about that nutrition side of things because a lot of people struggle in the mornings trying to take in food, and you obviously had the same sort of same sort of issues there did it did that first um practice session in the morning did you feel a bit heavy and sluggish because of that um honestly i wasn't too bad once i got up and started moving i was good um but that was another hard thing was to do my morning warm-up after pretty much force feeding myself to eat that (laughs) early yep so it was like trying to compact our my morning routine before a race from like a two to three hour kind of period, you know, cause we don't start until noon. So, um, it, it was a little off, but I picked up on it pretty good. Um, I actually last week before we went to Atlanta, I knew it was a day race. So I got up all week, a lot earlier and uh, a bit of preparation, went, you know, nice. did my more, did, did my morning, uh, warm up a lot earlier. And then I actually, because I know that it's hard for me to eat in the morning, I actually would like eat on the way to the track. So it's like close to riding. So like I could get that feeling of what it's like to actually, uh, you know, ride pretty much on a full stomach and just um, be used to it. So it's not affecting how I ride or like, oh, this isn't right. So maybe don't push it or anything like that. So I was actually kind of comfortable with it. And I think it was a good thing for me. That's really good that you actually, you know, had some foresight into your week and thought thought about what you needed to do because lots of people probably would have just turned up on or woke up on on Saturday morning on, oh crap, I've got to get in some food earlier than I usually do. But you've 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 taken the steps to practice it each during the week, which obviously set you up nicely. So that's that's well done on that side of things. Because not everybody would have thought of that. Now, quickly too. <laughs> yeah, definitely. 
Quickly too, just jumping back, I, I've seen, you mentioned about your, your vision site and I, this is something I have problems with too because I, I, I don't need to wear contacts and stuff. I think you wear contacts as well, if I'm not mistaken, because I've seen you with glasses on in some shots at times. How does that, is, is your vision a, a, like it's for distance I gather or do you have something else that's a concern for you? Um, so actually I don't wear contacts. Um, I have pretty bad dry eye and the, the eye doctors suggest me not to wear them. Sure. Um, it honestly probably, probably just be worse considering you don't really blink when you're riding. No. Um, and if you get dirt in your eye, it can actually wreck your eye if it gets between the lens and the, <laughs> the contact. So there, that, it's kind of a gray area for me, but I have like a one eye is nearsighted and one eye uh, far sighted, and I have a pretty a pretty good stigmatism but i've been doing it for so long that uh it's not as bad as what you would think it is as far as like what my eyesight actually is and when i take my glasses off like i'm so used to it and i mean i'm not blind for no means like i can read stuff and all that but it definitely i think um affects me a little bit in certain situations like i said stadiums night races mm. day races like it all kind of plays a little little bit of a difference in how I approach the track. Same with their color, you know, the, like when we were in Tampa, it was raining, outdoor stadium, yep. third star, like it had me on edge. So um, it is it is nice to do day races actually for, for my own From your benefit. side of things. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so you've never used the contacts while riding? Um, I have. I have used contacts while riding and uh, it just gave, it just made my eyes so red. Yeah. From, from not blinking and they're just so dry that it it was it it was actually worse for me yeah just, it took it, it took it, me ages to work out how to do it with contacts because i'm probably just as blind as you by the sounds of it. i've got um i can't see distances and i and i've got the astigmatism i think i'm like level five or something but um I, I that story you're just saying about like you know getting dirt in the eye i had a great one one day at a mud race where I got hit hit in the face with the goggles full of mud. So I had to rip the goggles off. And literally as I ripped the goggles off and looked up, I got hit in the face with a puddle of water. And next thing I know, the, the whole um, contact was brown, but I could see outside of the contact. So I was had this brown ring on one eye. <laughs> and, and I could wow. see out the sides of it that I had to race with for the rest of the race because it wouldn't clear. So yeah, it's a, it's a shitty situation when you've got bad vision. Yeah, that would, that would be a wild thing, actually, you know, kind of seeing like brown, hazy looking color out of your eye. You kind of probably freaked me out a little bit. Oh, man, it was not but. not a good thing. But yeah, it's but being like yourself and me with poor vision, those night situations, picking up ruts, it's it's a horrible thing. So yeah, I don't, I know exactly what you're going through with that side of things, but just interesting to hear that because not everybody understands what goes into you being on the track, not just from that physical preparation, but there's obviously other sides to it as well. So yeah good to just circle back on that bit with your vision now there's yeah, a couple definitely. there's a couple more races left for you guys on the east coast two of which are actually showdowns for you guys um any expectations for you now given these results you've been going pretty well have you got something in mind that you were trying to achieve for these next couple of showdowns um so in the past years i've never actually um competed in a showdown in the 250 class i've always you know, we get closer to the end of the year. I always bump up to the 450 class and start transferring over to the 450 before we go outdoors. So, you know, a good expectation for myself is, you know, my, my first main goal is just to be in the race. Yeah, right. You know, it's, it's harder said than done. Um, you know, we have, if you're not a consistent top 10 guy in the main event, 
then it's a lot harder than what people think it is. And you got to think you don't have 15 minutes to get that job done. If you're a guy that starts in the back and then finds his way in the top 10, you got, what is it? It's we do six or eight minute heat races or something like that. So you have, uh, you know, almost half the time to make it happen. So you really have to be on your A game and bring a good start to the line. Yeah, definitely. And that probably, you're probably right about all that. Just, just making sure that you're in the main event would be a, a good start and anything after that's probably awesome. So yeah, um, see how that all works out for you in the next couple of rounds. Now on, on the recovery side of things, what does your Sunday after a race day look like? What is it that you're doing to try and get the body ready to go again for the next week of training and obviously the next race that's coming up, you know, the next week? Honestly, uh, Alex and John over at Charles Training got me on a schedule where Sunday is actually really relaxed, laid back, chill. Um, I don't have anything. It's an off day for me. Mm-hmm. So pretty much it looks like I – pretty much go in the garage, get my bike ready. I stay moving pretty much the whole day. You know, if I got to do yard work or anything like that, I get it done. So I'm kind of slowly moving all day. Um, I do like to try to get a good foam roll session in and stretching. Yep. Um, just to get my body loosened back up because you know that that Saturday or Saturday night race kind of takes a toll on your body as we all kind of know, you know, dirt bikes aren't the easiest thing on you. So it's it's pretty chill um yeah get my get my grocery shopping done and get all my stuff lined up for the week and uh get ready for monday yeah it sounds like a very chill day but yeah obviously that that foam rolling stretching part makes and keeping moving makes a big difference to how you feel like other than monday so is monday straight into a normal you know normal load session or is it a, a tapered session sort of thing like can you build into your week <laughs> um monday's a pretty good size cardio day actually for okay. me so like today Today I did an hour and 15 um, pedal zone two and then I come home and straight after that I get on the ski erg for 30 minutes and I just have to stay in my zone and just keep on just kind of building into the week uh, Monday is and then tomorrow I'll have I think I have another hour hour and a half pedal or it's going to be an hour strength or probably both to be honest I'm not sure <laughs> I haven't looked um, but then I also have uh super hot tomorrow so i'll get my riding training in and off my bike all at the same time plus morning warm-ups so morning warm-ups usually 20 to 30 minutes for me um it's usually consists of cardio and stretching and then um so by the end of the day it's it's a you know you're tired you're ready you're ready to relax a little bit and kind of again stretch foam roll get ready for the next day do you, do you get to some points when you get your dinner on the table and you just feel like you should put your head on the table and fall asleep on those like big days when you've had riding and the cardio sessions? Um, honestly, so when we took that three, four-week break in between the last race, yeah. uh, I didn't do a whole lot of riding. I only rode the week, uh, the two days before we went to Atlanta, and it was all lots of cardio, lots of strength. And man, when we got to the end of, I think it was like, the second week or maybe like the end of that third week i was just like wow i'm i don't i'm tired i don't even <laughs> want to eat i just want to i want to lay down go to bed and wake up and just i guess hammer it all out again so yeah definitely know that feeling it's it's common it's a lot of load isn't it but yeah it's got to be done to to get these results it's obviously paying off so it's working yeah definitely i feel really good on the bike especially with those uh three or so weeks off the bike and just grinding in, in the gym and in uh on the road bike the 
skier, the rower, all that good stuff. Yeah, nice. Now, last question for you, Henry, before we go, and we've been trying to do this with a few of the riders to see what sort of things the guys are having underneath their gear because everybody sees the, the top layer, all the sponsor logos, but what's under your gear, Henry? Have you got a chest pro, what knee braces or knee cups? What's under your gear, Henry? Um, so I wear EVS Axis Pro knee braces. Okay. I can't ride without knee braces. I won't even won't even attempt it. You know, I've done my knee, but I'm I, I don't blame the knee brace at all. Um it was my own fault. So <laughs> gotta have the knee braces. Um and then I actually wear an R four EVS chest protector, chest pad type deal. It has a whole it's like plastic and foam in the front yep. and then the back is just a spine, a plastic spine protector. So okay. I got to have that, you know, you never know, you never know when your own bike or somebody else might run into you if you're on the ground. So you got to stay safe out there. I always like a little bit of plastic underneath there, especially on the chest, just so that when you hit the deck, there's less chance of one getting a couple of scuff marks, but two, you know, like you said, something else hitting you, you just don't know. So yeah, I prefer to run something and yeah, you obviously do. So that's nice. Cool. So nothing else yeah. under the, under the gear that we need to know about? Uh, no, I just wear my long EV or my long EVS, uh, knee brace socks and oh, then yeah. just normal compression shorts. And that's, that's usually about it. That's the go-to Well, fair enough. That's obviously comfortable for you too. So yeah, nice to hear, nice to hear what some of these guys have under their gear. Cause we can't see it all the time. And unless you get a sneaky photo from the pits while you're getting changed, you won't know what's going on under there. So yeah, a bit <laughs> of information for our listeners there. Awesome. All right, Henry. Well, look, appreciate yeah. your time today, mate, and and well done on the sixth place. It's awesome to see it, and and hopefully you can get something like that. Top ten would be fantastic at one of these showdowns, and um, yeah, have a good finish to this Supercross season. Yeah, appreciate your guys' time, and uh, hopefully I can see you guys sometime soon in the future. We'll do, we'll do. Thanks for that, Henry. Talk to you soon. Yes, have a good one. Hi there, my name is Eldon Baker, and I'm from the Baker's Factory. And you're listening to Always Motor. All right, guys and girls, joining us this week on the podcast. Uh, he's had a little injury recently, uh, but he's managed to come back a little bit quicker than you might expect for this particular injury. It's the Team PRMX, number 68. It's Cade Clayson. How are we doing, Cade? I'm good, man. Just uh, enjoying my time at home. Yeah. So you got back after the races. I think you said you stayed for a little bit longer in Atlanta afterwards before we could get this interview done. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I made some stops on the way home, uh, spent some time with the family and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, so I, I just got home the other day, but it's, uh, it's always nice to be able to get home and the weather be nice and just be able to chill at home with the dogs. Yeah, fair enough. And it's nice that you're able to get some family stuff in, uh, in between all the race duties and stuff too. So that's good. Now, how is, always. how is the injury side of things for you? Obviously, first race back on the weekend at Atlanta after a broken rib and a punctured lung. How was race day for you? Yeah, I would say the the worst part for me um, was just the time off the bike, right? I, I put a lot of time on the motorcycle um, to try and raise the comfort level. So then when I have to spend two weeks sitting on the couch, basically not doing anything, when I get back on the bike, it's pretty tough. Um, my lung and my back weren't even the worst part. or my, I'm sorry, my lung and my rib weren't uh, even the worst part. It was my back. Uh, I just how I crashed, I, I messed up my back and my hip and it was really uncomfortable for me. It just would get really, really tight. Uh, so you actually sort of had a couple of more complications than just that sort of chest area there, which I gather you're talking lower back at, at that point. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, the it's crazy. Like everyone's kind of mind blown when I say that, but like you know, a broken rib. It, it really has the rib hasn't bothered me at all. Um, my lung hasn't bothered me at all since I got my chest tube out and stuff like that. It's just, uh, yeah, it's just, it's been, I feel like a nine-year-old man trying to stand up. <laughs> it's, it's quite uncomfortable, but uh, I'm, I'm working through it. That's that's the comment that anybody that's had a back pain will know oh too well because that first day or so afterwards, you, you do, you're like that hunched over nine-year-old man. You can't straighten up. You can't reach your toes. It's a shit of a time. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you're saying like that the rib itself to, to ride, like you rode within about two weeks um, from the injury itself. You're saying that the rib and the lung aren't really giving you any trouble? Yeah, honestly, it's, it's, it's crazy to me too. Uh, I was quite nervous. The, I rode about a week and a half uh, from when I got out of the hospital um, to kind of test it out and see if I could race on the weekend. And I like I went out, rode for 10 minutes and came back in. And I was like, man, honestly, the only thing that hurts is my back. Like my rib didn't hurt. And I even like case some stuff just being my timing was off a little bit. Yep. And it was it was very surprising, uh, to say the least. And then uh, even this weekend, I got taken out by two other riders, uh, two separate occasions, nice, just yeah. kind of leveled yep. and, uh, hit the ground. And I, I was pleasantly surprised at how well my body took it. Um, and, uh, yeah, just then moving on to the main, it was just, it's a lot of, it's a long day and a lot of riding and I could feel my back starting to tighten up early in the main and I was trying to manage it and stuff like that. But I just knew, uh, how much progress I had made just in like three or four days. And I didn't want to, you know, take 50 steps backwards, uh, heading into this week and this weekend. Yeah. Well, you still got a few more races to go and obviously, uh, you know, it's nice to make the main and, and get a result, but if it's going to be at the detriment of the next three races, let's say it's probably not a good idea to push yourself for that, you know, late, later stages of the, of the main event and those tail end positions, is it? Exactly. Yeah, no, it's, it's not worth it. You know, I, I didn't have the pace or the strength to, to battle with the guys I normally battle with. Um, so the difference between, you know, what it was, it I was in 21st, I probably would have finished 20th or 21st. So the difference for that is, is not worth, you know, the pain it would cause the rest of the time. Yeah, definitely. Now, so obviously you're saying lower back, but the lung capacity side of itself, like obviously with the punctured lung, collapsed lung, you didn't have any issues with you know actual lung capacity and and then like obviously your heart rate you know trying to get the oxygen into the to the body that's not been an issue for you either no uh i've had like a little bit of like sharp chest pain um like up like at the top of my lung um but like they were pretty surprised they bring in this little like uh device that you kind of have to suck air through to try and strengthen your lung and to mm -hmm. make sure that you're able to get full capacity. Um, and they were pretty mind blown at how the, even the very first time I used it, like I was so far ahead of like, anyone they'd ever seen use it. Um, and by the end of the first day, I was completely maxing out the thing that they gave me. Just uh, pulling the superhuman recovery, mate. That sounds like. I, so I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> It was weird, man. Uh, it was a weird feeling like when I, cause I drove myself to the hospital. Um, like I got up on the track, 
you know, my buddy and my mechanic offered to drive me. I'm like, no, like I'll be okay. Like, you know, I left my dogs with my mechanic and I just, uh, I drove myself to the hospital. And when I got there, it just felt like I had like this huge, like someone was giving me like the gnarliest bear hug of all time. Yeah. Okay. And I just, I just couldn't quite breathe. And then they put me on oxygen. And honestly, once they put me on oxygen, like I felt like pretty, pretty normal. Um, you know, I just was uncomfortable because I had a broken bone in my chest. But yep. other than that, like, uh, it, uh, it, I felt normal pretty fast. The <laughs> three and a half, shocked, four days. Like, like, it, it was, it was crazy. Like I was uncomfortable for sure, but the chest tube caused more pain than anything. I bet. hated having that thing for you know basically three days it was miserable it it hurt made my shoulder hurt so bad because it they said it was in my chest like eight inches yeah yeah yep they got to pierce obviously a couple of layers to get through obviously the, the ribs are you know so thick and then they've got to get through the couple of plural layers to get into the actual section of the lung that they need to reinflate so yeah it, it does go in a fair bit and the freaking the guy that did it i mean like he did a good job he you know, he, whatever, numbed up my skin. Like I was wide awake for it. And then he's like, all right, you're going to feel this pop. And that's my finger going between your two ribs. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> and he, he did, man. You just, you hear this loud pop and he shoves his finger between two of your ribs. And, uh, that's how he like makes a hole for the tube. And I'm just like, I, like, I, I never thought I would experience this right now. No, <laughs> it's not what my day was meant to be when I woke up this morning. You're saying, yeah, yeah. It's going to no. get a. A finger in the chest, yeah, literally. <laughs> it was the day after my anniversary and the day before I was supposed to leave for our anniversary vacation. So it didn't turn out the way I wanted to that day. <laughs> I bet I bet the wife was happy about all that too, yep. Oh, she was stoked to stay in the van for three days with the dogs. <laughs> oh, look, silver linings, mate. So, so you got to look at it positively somehow. So with all yeah. that, like obviously you're saying – that side of the main parts of the injury that you had weren't affecting you. But I'm assuming the doctors were still probably from the lung side of things saying to you, don't, you know, return for a certain period of time. Did you come back quicker than what they were recommending to, to physically exert yourself? Oh, hundred uh, <laughs> percent. Usual yeah. moto answer there. Yep. Yep. hundred percent. I yeah, came back exactly. way earlier than the, I should have. The, yep. doctors, the doctors in the hospital weren't, they didn't really understand what I did. They thought I was just kind of, you know, you're a regular guy that crashed on a, on yep. a dirt bike, just playing around. And one of the nurses actually said she like looked me up. Uh, okay. She found out what I did and I got a better gist of it. And they, they told me, they're like, look, like you can't fly. Like you cannot fly to Phoenix. No. Yeah. And race Cause like I, so that was honestly like the main reason I didn't go to Phoenix to begin with. Like I, I had considered going to Phoenix and actually maybe riding, but when they told me they really didn't want me flying because that change in pressure mm-hmm. can actually recollapse your lung, I was like, that's that's a little bit different because it's out of my control. Um, no, no need to get a get a plane grounded because my chest, you know, I can't breathe. <laughs> yeah, um, it, I wasn't I wasn't ready to ride you know, come Saturday anyway. So even if I would have gone, I wouldn't have raced, but, um, but yeah, then that Monday I went and saw my, my like regular doctor and, you know, she's like, I can't believe like you have no pain when I push on your chest, you know, you're breathing fine. Like you can do whatever you want. Cause I know you're going to, you yeah. know, I don't recommend you crash a dirt bike out of the air and land on your side. Cause you're probably going to redo this whole process. But, um, 
she's like, she's like, you seem like fine. I was like, okay. So I just, I went for it. Fair enough. Was that, was that decision then like, obviously the medical information's there and you take that seriously, but was this driven at all by like, you know, financial points in the championship or that I've been wondering a little bit for some of these injuries now, whether that end of season super motocross qualification side of things is crossing people's minds about when they're trying to make a return for did did any of that come into play for you is just the fact that you felt ready and you went racing uh, a little bit of both right um for myself to to make money i get obviously get paid from the team and from the series so uh but i have to be at the races competing to do that yeah um and this is what i do for a living so uh, I wanted to be out there earning a paycheck and doing the best that I can. Uh, and yeah, I would like to get qualified for that SMX stuff. Um, I'm on, it's not looking super promising for me at the moment, but, uh, you know, the more points I get, the more promising it is. So that, that is obviously weighing on it. Um, I would like to do some of them if I can. So we're, just, you know, we're going to have to just score as many points as we can here at the end of the year. Yeah. Well, what we've got. Four, four rounds, five rounds, whatever, whatever is it left? I can't do my math here today. We, we've missed our, messed our um, time up a little bit on my part because of my math, and now I can't add up how many rounds we got left. <laughs> yeah, we got four more. Four more. There we go. All right, sweet. Yeah. So, yeah, you got a few more chances to get, hopefully, you know, a few points to, to throw towards that qualification. But, yeah, I just – it seems to me like that's a way of keeping guys – you know, you know that one where they would get a little injury and then they would sit out all the way to the end of Supercross because they weren't in it anymore. But the motocross might be a chance for them, so they they'd sit out for longer. But I saw this Super Motocross thing as a way of bringing those riders back in. You know, at least for three or four four races that they probably well and truly can do. Um, just wondering if that's starting to play a bit of a factor at this time of the year. It definitely will at some point. You know. Uh... But I think like the top guys, you know, they'll score enough points in one series to qualify. It's it's honestly more guys like myself, yeah, um, that are going to be bubble guys. You know what I mean? That that are going to need those extra points. Yeah, I think that fifteen to twenty five range is is the guys that are sort of getting a few points, but not heaps of points. That are that if they miss five to ten races, it's going to make an impact as whether they qualify or not. So yeah, they're the ones that are probably hopefully going to see them coming back and doing more with it, but. Yeah, just an interesting point. I thought this year might be a change in how long some of these recovery times, you know, take on the surface of when they come back to the race. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah, totally. All right. Um, one last question for you, Kate. Um, we've gone through those injury side of things and a little bit of our side of, uh, of topic point is always injury recovery and, and, and fitness and training. But to prevent some of that stuff, it's about what you've got on the body and, and racing with. But we always try and ask these, ask the interviewed riders what you've got on underneath your gear. So whether you're in those you know, braces or knee pads or maybe there's something strange that you're wearing under your gear as a protection or a preventing to scuff, you know, um, rubbing marks. What's under your gear, Cade? Um, so I've worn Mobius knee braces for a long time now basically ever i tore my acl and meniscus in 2015 and i've worn mobius knee braces ever since then uh i didn't get my knee fixed and i i know if i'd ever wear anything else now i i love those knee braces um they they make me feel super secure and you can adjust them to you know obviously fit you because they're not like custom fitted 
uh, CTIs or anything like that. Then. No, they're pretty good with the padding so, yeah. inside, aren't they, to change thicknesses? And then obviously they got the the like the the real the the tightening dial on the top for for part of it to pull it in nice and tight. So they work really reasonably nice. Yeah, and yeah, they, you. yeah, they don't slide down or anything like that. And then they also have the hyperextension thing. So if you yep. want it to make it so you straighten it as much so yeah they've got some cool features and then uh actually just this last year i started wearing a fox chest protector okay the under one i actually you have to wear a chest protector to race um like fim events overseas yes uh so uh, i started wearing it for that and i love it um and now i actually wear like fox boots so um now they actually gave me some uh, because the first one we we went out in box, it was just super comfy. So yeah, I actually really really enjoy um, that Fox chest protector, and I, I honestly kind of uh, thank it for you know me not being hurt worse. How I crashed was pretty gnarly, and uh, had I not had something on, it probably would have been worse. Well, I, I that's an interesting comment you make there. It's sort of. I always think about the, we, we seem to get a fair few rib and lung injuries from the stats that I keep. That seems to happen quite often, and I always wonder whether the the, the chest, you know, the chest pros are actually one protecting the right area or two if they're just not being worn in in practice and stuff because that's sort of a common scene as to where they're happening. So interesting you say that you actually maybe got off lighter than you could have for because you were wearing it. Well, it's just they have that really like it's almost like a gel material on the back that that orange pad. Um, I think uh, Alpine Stars has a similar type of pad on the back of their chest protector as well. Um, and it's just like I'm sure that it had to take a lot of the impact out of because I I basically flipped, landed on my head, and then slapped onto my back. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I broke my rib in like the back under my shoulder blade. Yep. Yep. Uh, so it's, you know, I, I would just assume that it, it was, it helped more than if it, then it would have hurt. Oh yeah. I'm hundred percent in agreements with that. If you didn't have that on there at all, you'd be a lot sore for it. And maybe that would have been three or four broken ribs rather than just one. So yeah. Exactly. So, and I, like I said, I got lucky because I haven't, I haven't worn a chest protector um full time in probably five or six years <laughs> well good timing to have it on now when you had that sort of a crash so yeah i'm assuming it's staying the input now for the rest of your career <laughs> it's staying there for, for the time being yes sir <laughs> fair enough well look um kate awesome to talk to you good to see that that recovery has gone really really well for you and i'm surprised that how some of those things aren't causing you any pain and that you're able to be back on track and hopefully this week's a fair bit better than atlanta but at least you're able to be at atlanta yes sir yeah uh i'm hoping that as my back pain goes away my the other things don't start to hurt more <laughs> you know one's but but yeah i'm happy to be out there and uh yeah thanks for the talk no i appreciate it kate thanks for joining us on the always moto podcast yes sir have a good day hey what's up guys it's scott meshy number 411 and you're listening to the always moto podcast all right, guys and girls, we are back. Thanks for sticking around. Thanks for listening through those two interviews there with Henry Miller and Cade Clayson. Awesome to have those two guys on the show this week with two different points of view that we haven't probably spoken about you know, in, in past. Obviously, yes, Cade was an injury sort of check-in, but it was more into a very different injury check-in, obviously, being around his lung and the rib injury. 
and then obviously Henry Miller talking a little bit more about his recovery and his week-to-weeks uh, between the races, which was awesome to hear that information. And we're hoping to bring some of that different content to you guys, not just those injury reports and injury check-ins that we've been doing. Hoping to spread this out a little bit, get a bit more of that fitness side of things. Not only am I a physio background, and that's my interest in terms of the injuries, I've also done exercise and sports science. So the training side of things is an interest and a knowledge point for me as well. And I'm hoping to sort of bring that into this uh, into these podcasts a bit more as we go along. Obviously, we had that Alden Baker interview a few months back that's available for the podcast. So you can check that out in our podcast feeds. And that's a starting point. This one with Henry Miller was another bit of it as well. So we're going to bring a bit more of that in hopefully over the next few episodes and obviously in the long run of the podcast. So keep an eye out for that, guys and girls. You'll be hearing more and more about fitness and recovery, uh, not just the injuries when we're talking these uh, interviews with our riders. All right, it was a massive show this week. Thanks for listening through the whole thing. I appreciate it. We, we love your support. We love the messages we've been getting. There's been a few little interactions that we've had with you guys and girls out there listening to us, uh, and it just keeps us motivated to keep bringing you more content. Thanks for listening, guys and girls. It's awesome. Don't forget to send us your T-shirt orders to our email, info at alwaysmoto.com. Follow us on the social media pages to stay up to date with all things injury and moto. Just search Always Moto and then follow and subscribe. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast feed so you don't miss out our next episode that'll probably be out next week or the week and the week after and the week after that and so on and so forth. Whenever there's a race in the AMA, there'll probably be an Always Moto podcast coming out that very next week. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed. Now also too, when this episode ends, make sure you get on your podcast feed, uh, on your podcast app and leave us a rating. It means a lot to us. It helps us with uh, identifying, getting more fans and followers. So please leave us a rating. And even better would be to jump on your social media, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever it is, share a, pay, a post of ours and, and help us get some more followers because it will help us get more content and more prizes and more all those all the good things that come along from having more people listening to it. will get It will influence you it by doing that so thank you for doing that but please go and do something like that share a post any of our posts about the podcast uh, and it'll make a difference to us massively don't forget to check out all of our written articles over on fullnoise.com.au and we'll soon have some additional content coming here at alwaysmoto.com but we'll get to that very very shortly that's it for another show thanks to all the sponsors slantboard guy endurance recovery boots tech 167 3d printing for the show support Thanks to the Fantasy League sponsors, Coastal Motorcycle Centre, Goat Brand MX, Thor MX Australia, Michelin Australia, Ringmaster Images, Helltech Australia, and Bolt Everywhere. Thanks to the Always Moto Contractor. Thanks to you guys and girls out there for listening. And remember, you need to be smooth to be fast, because if you're not, I'll probably be seeing you deep in the emergency department, maybe even the clinic, having strapping tape thrown wherever it will stick. <laughs>